Hello, everyone. I'm Ben West. And I'm Matthew Cantrell. Welcome to... He was a prepubescent flying ace in the minute I was started <laughs> off that. Y- you all know, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the best version of that song, in my opinion. Easy. Uh, well, American, yeah. I mean, that's it's kind of a classic. I, They're both great. Yeah. They're both great. Weird, but Weird I, Al I made, just, made some I improvements. I think that's one of Weird Al's best songs. For sure. He's got so uh, many winners. He does. He really does. Um, there's a there's a biopic coming out that, about yes, him. with Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, <laughs> isn't that cool? Of all people, like, he can just do a passion project like that. Like, oh, I made so much money from Twilight, I can pretty much do whatever I want. Let's do a Weird Al. Was it Daniel Radcliffe <laughs> in Twilight? Wait, uh, Harry Potter. Sorry, thank you. <laughs> Dare you? Thank you. <laughs> hey, you know what? You. You funny guy. I had the face and everything in my head. I just totally mixed it up. I can't yeah. believe you. I, you're going to have to atone for that somehow. <laughs> I will. I mean, I read all four books. So I was back in my early youth ministry days. Twilight was very popular among the kids. And um, most of the people who were Catholic commentators um, at the time, they would talk about Twilight. And had they would all preface it with, I've never read the book. And so, so many of my teens were just like, hey, you know what? I don't want to take it seriously because he hasn't read the book. And I was like, I've read all four books. Yeah. I can tell you <laughs> where I find problems with Edward's behavior and Bella's responses <laughs> and Jacob. And I can tell you why they're all terrible. Right. And <laughs> not terrible people, but just like they're not great role models. Making guys. bad choices. So, yeah, we, we were, I found that to be very useful. To to be clear, though, I did read the books before I was youth minister, but they were very popular in that time, and they ended up being very helpful. You, so, you read them because you um, wanted to. Kind of. There was a girl I had a crush on, mm-hmm. and she was reading Twilight. And my mother wanted to get me back into reading more um, and said that she would buy me any book at Barnes & Noble I saw. And I saw the book with the pale hands holding an apple and thought, oh, that's the book that that girl Oh, likes. yeah. I don't even remember her and name. And then it just sucks sad. you in. But like... Yeah, so I I bought it and was like, okay, cool. And it is like I I get the um, you know, pale as paper character. Um, <laughs> you identify you know, with that? <laughs> no, no, no. I get why they do it, right? So like, I get that the blandest main character oh, that's made to be just like, you know, I thought you just meant fill super in white. the blank. <laughs> like, why did so many girls have the phenomenon of like attaching? with Edward and Jacob um, because Bella was written to just let a female teenage subconscious just... She's just an empty vessel. She is nothing. She's vacuous. For your personality to fill. That's exactly right. And that's how so many of those teen novels are written. You basically get to fill your personality into the kind of prefixed role that we've put here. Like, here's the base character. You flesh it out and now you're going to be that thing in this story. Um, And it was made for you. And it's like, huh, that kind of worked, especially (laughs) on teenagers. (laughs) And it's very common imagine now. That. Yeah. I know. And imagine a story where you, you know, were targeting towards teens, but you made characters that were deeply filled out and had deep moral flaws and troubles. And you put them into scenarios where they're going to live that out. And that's pretty much what happened with the Avatar, The Last Airbender, hey. which is what I want to talk to you about today. Let's freaking uh, do it. Was an incredibly successful TV show on Nickelodeon where you have um, a magical world with four major nations 
who have these abilities among some of the people who are citizens in their nations called bending, where you can bend one of the four traditional Greek elements, fire, water, wind, or earth. And the nations are called the fire nation. (laughs) The The earth kingdom. The earth kingdom. The water. uh, Tribes. Tribes. Thank you. Tribes. And then the um, air nomads. So you have these four nations and uh, they lived in harmony somewhat, but everything changed when the fire fire nation attacked. (laughs) That's right. That's such like a a foundational series. It's like one of those things that uh like i'm I'm interested for those who are sort of like unfamiliar and actually when i talk to people about it, it it's so ubiquitous in my world. oh my gosh dude i'm wearing my avatar shirt right now oh wait yeah I you are i wanted to do it on purpose but I, by your reaction i'm like wait he didn't realize he did that. i'm just Hilarious. i'm a subtle i'm a subconscious genius uh there you go <laughs> but anytime i'll talk to people about it it's like in my mind of course you know what avatar is it's only the greatest animated content ever created um but it turns out not everybody knows what it is. No. And most people no, I was react just talking against to some it. of our listeners. Most yeah. th- thinking that it's anime. And I see it's it's like I think there's an argument to be made. It's kind of a hybrid. Like it's it's definitely got anime moments, but it's um like it's Nickelodeon produced it. So it's it is yeah. American. Its style is deeply rooted and modeled after an anime. Right. But um an anime is traditionally Japanese that comes from a manga, mm-hmm. um, or at least comes from inspiration from the style of a manga, if it's self-created, but uh, usually straight from Japan. So. Yeah, and the animation, the animation team was uh, Asian, I believe it was yes. Singapore, though. Um, it was it was not Japan. Regardless, right. um, phenomenal, phenomenal show. Um, that I'm glad yeah. I'm glad you gave that intro because I feel like there are listeners of ours who will be like yes finally avatar and there will be ones who are like is that that show that my nephew likes i never got into it yeah <laughs> right well and it's funny my my younger brothers were watching i remember seeing the trailers for avatar and being like that seems really cool i would want to watch that show and my my younger brother um jacob and noah were like young yet and we we're still watching a lot of the like disney and nickelodeon and um <laughs> I remember all of us were kind of like, we're all going to watch this one together. So we all like sat down for the premiere of it. And I remember like being intrigued by the concept, but remembering like, oh, this, this does seem more like a kid's show. Dude, um, can we? I tried yeah, to get Charlotte like to watch it with me. like a disclaimer. Yeah. Because yeah, the, the first five episodes are like a children's show. They're a and you're like, fest. Cool. But like, this is kind of like, so I, when we first got married, um, Charlotte was like, she she was in the fantasy, but she wasn't like gonna read the books I was reading or like watch stuff I was watching when we were dating and engaged. When we got married, Charlotte was just like on our honeymoon. Okay, I want to read, you know, your one of your favorite um, fantasy books with the Mistborn by Brandon Sanderson. And I was like, I remember like we were driving in um, outside of the White Sands, New Mexico, and uh, I was like, almost ran into a sand dune. <laughs> <laughs> really okay great i'll download it as soon as we find wi-fi and like we went out to uh, dinner and we started choice. listening to it and uh it was she got so into it it was so great and then i was like you gotta watch avatar last year better with me she's like okay and we watch it and she's like i'm not into this show and i was like well maybe we can like skip a couple episodes ahead and she's like no i just this is my show and i'm like no so three years later oh my gosh i'm like oh well maybe it's four uh COVID hit 
and we're just sitting at home and it's like might hey, as well <laughs> it's the evening the kids are asleep want to watch this show with me she's like ah, i don't know and i said look the episodes are only about like 24 minutes without the commercials and the dvd set just just watch with me until the end of the week and watch two episodes two three episodes a night and we'll see if you like it and i promise if we're halfway through season one and you don't like it we can stop and she's like that seems like a lot but okay <laughs> and by like the sixth episode um whichever I forget which one it is after Jet. Um, oh, Jet was. I mean, yeah. it starts to pick she up. She was once... intrigued by Jet, and she okay. was like, "Okay, I'll keep going." Yeah, yeah. It definitely um, starts to pick up once they hit the Southern Air Temple, wherever he was, where he finds Gyatso. Mm-hmm. Um, the the plot begins to thicken, and you begin to sense yeah. the uh, emotional turmoil in Aang. Yes. So, for those who um, are unaware of this world. Ben and I can bounce back and forth and just kind of share a little bit about it. So I yeah. kind of give the preface, there's those four nations, the Fire Nation attacks, right? Uh, one of the nations decides to try and play for power. Um, and it, Yeah, it's it's a very like uh, World War II Germany, sort of like take over the world type of scenario. And they're, they're this very aggressive nation led by Fire Lord Sozin? Yeah, Sozin mm-hmm. launches the attack. Um so the Fire Lord is basically the king of the Fire Nation. And he he just said, well, the justification he uses is, we have this unrivaled prosperity. We have to share it with the rest of the world. Code four, <laughs> let's colonize. And uh, the style of bending, all of the bending, the way that they manipulate the elements is connected to a martial art. So it, it is very Asian influenced. Um, and that's part of its beauty and its appeal because they sort of take these things that have existed um, in these cultures and adapt them in a way that is in, feels integrated and and makes sense um and so <laughs> i'm i'm that nerd that knows that airbending is based off of bagua and firebending is based off of northern shaolin kung fu mm-hmm. uh but the, the so there's something about you know like the style of the bending that's also aggressive and you just get this really angry vibe from the fire nation mm-hmm. uh, and so they they attempt to subjugate the other nations and the way that uh fire lord Oh, uh, Sozin attempts to do that at first. No, I, I, I see you waving it's, at yeah, me. Yeah, so Sozin, Sozin launches. Sozin is the, the grandfather, war. but then Ozai, Ozai is, is the big bad guy, the main villain later on. Yeah, yep, he's his grandson. <laughs> uh, but and the the way that he attempts to do that is by destroying the Avatar, who is supposed to be the one who keeps balance between the nations, and he is. Ooh, spoiler there. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he uh is able to bend all four elements and he's he's kind of like this this vessel of spiritual power and is able to sort of like wield this un, well, unrivaled he, authority he, or not authority right. the avatar is power. the the center of balance so so much of asian culture um particularly in martial arts like all centers in on balance mm-hmm. and so the avatar is the one who's at the center of all four elements he can bend all four of them and he is meant to be the one who keeps peace and balance among the other four nations and all the other types of benders. He's incredibly powerful, and he can tap into the past generations of every single avatar mm-hmm. beyond him in this kind of like spiritual state called the avatar state, where he can gain the wisdom, knowledge, and fighting experience of all the past avatars. They, their power is linked in one line mm-hmm. and lineage. And so... The, the avatar is there to bring peace and order. Um, when one avatar dies, uh, the power passes on to 
another person who is balanced in. So when one avatar ties, a child is going to inherit that power shortly after. Um, and it goes in a cycle so the through power the nations. Passes. So like yep. water, fire, earth, yeah, air, exactly. water, fire, earth, air. But yep. so Fire Lord yeah. goes and launches. So everybody gets one eventually. Yeah. He, he launches the attack because he knows that the last avatar who died was from the Fire Nation so that for the cycle to continue, the next avatar will be born from the Air Nomads. And so his first move in this war is to exterminate uh, and then uh, wage this genocide against the Air Nomads. And so Aang is the avatar who is born um, as the avatar. Uh, and he is the <laughs> only one of his people who survives. Uh, which is why the show is called The Last Airbender. Yes. And, and the character development for him in that is super interesting because um, he finds out he's the Avatar and he gets kind of scared of that power and that calling. And um, he's going to be separated from the one father figure he has in the Air Nomad tribe, the um, monk who is raising him. And he realizes that he's not going to get to be with him and that he's going to go under this intense pressure and he's just a kid. But because of the growing threat of the fire nation and they can kind of read the writing on the wall they're like we got to train him fast and he just gets overwhelmed and he flees and gets caught in a storm and then falls into the water on his flying bison <laughs> um and he's drowning and he his power activates and he freezes himself in a block of ice and floats kind of goes into, into a coma yep so he's in the coma for a hundred years and he's found by some people in the South Pole from Water Tribe, Katara and Sokka. And he's awakened then and realizes that a hundred years has gone by. The Fire Nation has pretty much succeeded in at least subjugating the nations in some capacity, but have not taken over the other nations. But they're they're pretty well in rule and they're they're pretty threatening. And no one can really stand up to them. It's just a matter of holding fast um, and trying not to um you know, catch too much of their ire while they continue to plan the taking over the world. So they're kind of at a standstill where the Fire Nation um, cannot be beaten, but it's going to extend their forces too much to try and take all these different nations. So they're plotting to take down the Water Tribes and then the Earth Kingdom next. The Earth Kingdom spans the most territory, but again, the Fire Nation's overwhelmingly powerful. So they're gearing up for that with Fire Lord Ozai. And he has two children who mm -hmm. are um, heirs to his power, uh, his daughter, Azula, and his son, Zuko. Um, and this Zuko shows is. up in the South Pole, <laughs> and he is on a quest with his uncle, who is a shamed military general, um, who was exiled with his nephew, uh, Zuko. And the only way they can regain their honor and come back to the kingdom is if they find the Avatar, which his father believed to be an impossible task because there hadn't been an Avatar for 100 years. And they believed it was because all the airbenders were dead. And so and the cycle there's no way an Avatar can, yep, can inherit the power. So that's done. But he's told, oh, if you can find the Avatar, then you can mm -hmm. come back. So he is there and the Avatar reawakens and he is filled with fire and passion <laughs> no pun literally to find the avatar and it, it, he is the antagonist of most of the show where he um is seeking to find the avatar so that he can regain his honor and re-enter his father's court because he brought offense to his father and was shamed publicly had his uh right eye burn um and he has this terrible fiery scar on his face from where his skin suffered a third degree burn <laughs> yeah. and he um 
is looking for the avatar and he, he is brutal, he's efficient, and he's determined to find him. Mm-hmm. And he is a, a staggering opponent. And yet he's one of the protagonists of the series as well. Like episodes will shift between the avatar and Sokka and Katara, um, and the avatar, and then Zuko and his uncle. And Uncle Iroh is just oh a treat. Gosh. He's one of the, the nicest, kindest, like goofiest people in the first season of the show and you're just kind of like laughing at him and he's almost there for comedic relief and yet you get this sense that he's this wise old man kind of like the yoda figure who's just goofy and silly until he's not and you're like whoa and so that's uncle ira for you for the beginning of the show yeah on that note he kind of resembles a number of characters that i've noticed in asian films which is like the the drunken master that (laughs) that there's sort of like this coyness in like putting on a show to appear bumbling or helpless or not serious but sort of having this inner power so jackie chan was in a movie called the drunken master and there was mm-hmm. like part of the, his style of fighting had to do with like pretending like he was drunk but not really being drunk <laughs> and so he was like able to confuse his opponents through that i've also may have been reading that movie wrong but uncle iroh is definitely that way where he's 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 pretty portly he's a he's a healthy man with a healthy appetite and so <laughs> and a healthy appetite for tea yes <laughs> loves he his loves tea. his tea and everyone just sort of like waves him off because he's uh supposed to be this washed up general and he's always kind of making jokes and laughing and and sort of like in, uh indulging in frivolities uh always wanting tea and just talking about like enjoying life and smelling the roses and all this stuff but then like you're saying he he just <sighs> There are moments where he has both a like a physical strength. So you understand that he, despite his uh, like appearance, is actually like a very competent fighter, uh, but also that he's just so, so wise that he's got um, this really hard earned uh, wisdom and this this way of viewing the world that is so sober. And and so healthy mm-hmm. and so needed for the people in yeah. his life, and it's I, it's you probably can worth see this tipping our hand to to sort of like indicate that Zuko is who we're going to be centering this discussion around because mm-hmm. as much as Ang is the main character and and the sort of protagonist of the series, um, one of the interesting things about story that I always find is the person that you're most attracted to is the person who grows and changes. And the person, like even in a story where multiple characters are growing and changing, the person who grows and changes the most is the one that we we find the most affinity for and the most attachment to. So this was actually, I'm going to take a really awkward side example to to talk about this. Have you guys seen the Sea Beast? <laughs> no, I have not. I do recommend it. It was it was a fun movie, but it was one where they. I can never understand if it's on purpose and they're just trying something different or if the writers really don't understand who the main character is because there were three kind of protagonists in the Sea Beast. So it's basically like How to Train Your Dragon meets Pirates of the Caribbean. You've got <laughs> these uh, hunters that patrol the seas, killing these monsters to make the ocean safe for merchants. And you have a young girl who's always wanted to be a monster hunter who stows away on a ship. You've got the guy who's basically like next in line to be captain he's this burly young handsome competent monster killer and then you've got the old grizzled pirate captain who is a little bit bitter and and war torn and he is the one the the captain is the one who needs to grow and change because he 
encounters he, he's kind of the ahab he's got this vendetta against this particular sea beast but he's also got a, ch- a chip on his shoulder he's got something to prove to the king and queen of the of the empire that that facilitates all of this work that they're doing so they kind of treat it like co uh co-protagonists with the the young girl and the the captain to be and both of them make a decision pretty early on that kind of cements their trajectory for the remainder of the movie which is basically like in in the same way as how to train your dragon they're not actually our enemies we can be friends with them and they they spend their journey trying to prove to everyone that that that's okay but in how to train your dragon hiccup has a lot of growing and changing that he still needs to do throughout the second and third act but these two characters make their decisions so early that it kind of removes any of the urgency for the internal change and it all becomes Mm -hmm. external of needing to convince other people the one person who needs to be convinced isn't convinced the captain and they never have any moments of catharsis with him in the in the conclusion so you basically like just see him give up and and, i'll save you from the pirates right and there was like all of this stuff that they had sort of built up to where they had um there was like stuff that he would decisions he was making that he was going to need to atone for because they were not moral decisions and nothing comes of that he never has to answer for it and he never reaches a point of either clear understanding or clear misunderstanding with the the other two protagonists. And so that was well, part of the show that I felt was incredibly unsatisfying was the way that they resolved those kind of growing and changing arcs. All of that to say, Aang has a lot of growing and changing that he needs to do, but Zuko has more. And so the, well, the length of his trajectory is, I think, what yeah. makes him one of the most compelling characters of the series. Well, and that's why I wanted to even bring this topic to you was because um, redemption arcs in stories where a character goes from being bad or immoral and becomes good and a hero um, and finds that redemption is super compelling because it's kind of the internal struggle of each of us is that we have our struggles and our immoral behavior that we're trying to overcome and particularly in the Christian worldview, um, Hopefully that we know that we have <laughs> sinned and that we are on this journey to embrace the salvation that Christ has won for us. Um, that He's given we've we've gained that, that beautiful grace that we can't earn by our behavior, and yet we still have to grow to model ourselves after Christ Himself and to become the new man that Paul talks about. That we take on the likeness of Christ, and that the old has passed away and the new has come forward and. We get to embrace that life and overcome sin and repent and turn to Christ for, you know, the grace to become good. And, you know, a redemption arc like this with Zuko, because spoilers for those who have not seen Avatar, Zuko changes and grows. And his arc is not one straight upward arc, but it has many falls and step backs and backsliding and struggles and um frustration he's just he's so interesting of a character to watch because i haven't seen it done much better than you get with zuko in his in the three seasons of avatar there's a lot of great redemption arcs out there i think zuko's is so masterfully done because it's not just oh he slowly becomes a good guy or at the very end you find the good in him activates and he he chooses the good after all the evil that he's done which again like darth vader is like that yeah great still a great redemption arc mm-hmm. because 
it's the, it's a, a twist ending that like he does embrace the good. Right. Like everyone was expecting Luke to turn to the dark side. Um, <laughs> that was even the original ending of Star Wars Episode Six was that Luke would take Darth Vader's mask and put it on and say, "I am Darth Vader." Like that was kind of George <laughs> Lucas's original idea, and that they shot that down quick. And uh, you know, but uh, he changed that. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Vader be- becomes good at the end. And yeah, but it's even a so, like you're moment. saying, it's it's a bit but, of a surprise. Yeah, but with Zuko, because you you just don't know. Like that's part of the tension. That's the beautiful, cool thing in that. But with Zuko, he begins his journey towards becoming a better person early on in the series. Like you have him this angry, rude person, and there's this great episode. I think it's episode five of the first season, where there's a storm at sea, and the people on a ship are trying to survive. And this whole point, Zuko's just been cruel and rude and angry. And angsty to all the other passengers, but then uh, Uncle Iroh is gonna give him wisdom of like, hey, you need to treat your subordinates with respect if you want respect. Um, and so Zuko finally risks himself to save his crew and um, gains their respect, and he grows to become a better person, even in the midst of you know his journey. But he starts to overcome his bitterness and his you know abuse that he had had in his early childhood and under the the loving hand of his uncle begins a journey to becoming a good man even in bad circumstances yeah but even so whenever the avatar shows up and whenever there's a crisis where he can get his his honor back from his father he will do anything to get it no matter what he would betray mercy for this 12 year old little boy he has no qualms with anything he has to do to get back his ability to be, you know, his father's son, to be the prince of the Fire Nation again, and to eventually become the next Fire Lord. That's his whole motivation, is to get his father's blessing back and to come back into the family and to be able to take on his role that he was made for. And um, ironically, I, you know, as you go from there, yeah. he he has to have conflict with, with that. Of, in order to achieve these goals of my life, I'm going to have to sacrifice the people that are most important to me and the person who I'm becoming. Which decision will he make? And in the very middle of the entire series, you you present him with that decision. Mm-hmm. And he has to decide, am I going to Dude. choose what I know is the right thing to do and turn against my family? Or am I going to choose my family? My evil, and evil get my family. Title back. <laughs> yeah. But, it's but alas, <laughs> yeah, well, there's, I was going to say there's a, everything is on this trajectory of building Zuko towards that decision of ultimately and finally choosing the good and choosing his, right. his uncle um, over his father. Is what, yeah. And uh, becoming the man he wants to be and not the person he thinks he has to be, Yeah, which is the most important thing that he has to decide throughout the whole series. Even early on is brought into conflict in an episode called The Blue Spirit, where he realizes that, so Aang gets captured by the Fire Nation. But not by Zuko. (laughs) But not by Zuko, right. And so Zuko realizes, I'm the one who has to catch him if I want my honor back. And this comes back to him as as a, like, antagonistic person is, I will do anything to get my honor back, including betraying my own nation. And so specifically this has, jerk commander that he doesn't like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Commander Zhao, who's awful. Um, Truly awful. And um Zuko then 
puts on a blue oni mask, which is like, you know, Japanese demons. And um, he puts on this mask and he dresses all in the stealth suit. And he has these two broadswords and he sneaks in all stealth style and he rescues the avatar and gets out of there. And the Fire Nation doesn't know what to do with this guy. He doesn't use his firepowers at all. So it's pure combat skills. And he's able to sneak in, break the avatar out and escape. And he's injured on the way out and is knocked unconscious. And so when Aang comes to before him, is like, who is this person? And he's like, this person saved my life. He got me out of prison. And he's like, this is, this is a friend. I can't wait. You know, and then pulls off the mask and it's Prince Zuko, his enemy who's been chasing him. And you get this really cool moment where Zuko wakes up and he's like really groggy, but you hear Aang still there speaking to him, saying, you know, 100 years ago, the Fire Nation wasn't quite, you know, bad yet. Like when I was growing up, I had a friend from the Fire Nation and we got along great. We played lots of games. And, you know, do you think that maybe if this war wasn't happening, you and I could have been friends? And Zuko's laying there, listening to Aang, like, talk about the sorrow of, like, I wish we could be friends. Like, I, I see the good in you, and I wish that we could not have to have this conflict. And just, I could tell we'd be friends if we put these differences aside. And then Zuko shoots fire at him. <laughs> <laughs> Aang has to flee, and he's sad. He, he's got this sad yeah. look on his face as he leaves Zuko there in his rage. Um, yeah. And but, but how, it's like, such an interesting... Yeah, it, just like the subtlety of a lot of those moments that it's like within the kind of confines of the of the plot and and like what what happens between the characters and where they go and what they do, you see the emotional journey and you can sort of track them on this this linear spectrum. It's like closer to father or closer to Iroh. And in that moment he sort of presented the choice. It's like, okay, you can go the Iroh route or you can go the Ozai route. And he says, Ozai. <laughs> but then <laughs> you see other moments that are often subtle in his engagements with other people where you see him choose Iroh and, and his wisdom. Mm -hmm. And there's one um, where he stays with, I'm going to forget. Um, he stays on like a farm in a Fire Nation town. Yes. That's a great episode. I love it. Or, well, He's off on his own. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hold on. I might be mixing these up because he's in the Fire Nation. Nope, nope, he's in the Earth Kingdom. No. There, there's a young he's in the Earth Kingdom. There's a young and, woman. Yeah. There, the, the one with the lady who was crushing on him. Yes. Okay. Is that the same one? Well, there's two. You're right. There's a girl who's crushing on him in a tea shop. Yep. And then there's the one with the farm where he goes and there's a little boy okay. who gets into so, trouble and he rescues the boy. That's a great episode, but not that's not the yeah, one I'm talking about. That's a great right episode. Now. The one with the girl that's that's crushing on him in the tea shop. Mm -hmm. Um mm -hmm. the way that like he he is used to acting a certain way, which is an entitled, spoiled, royal. <laughs> he's, he's a bit of a jerk and he's very coarse and he doesn't have a lot of those soft people skills. And in his interactions with this young girl, you could see her trying to be kind to him and him sort of like just being too rough and abrasive in, in those interactions. But then you see him soften and Actually, I can't remember if that's because of Iroh's influence or not, but it's like you, it is, yeah, yeah, you see like him intentionally like bring out the softer side and, and sort of like go outside of himself and humble himself in the face of a woman uh, to like understand that he's not like entitled to anything here and that she's not coming to him because he's the prince, the crown prince of the Fire Nation. She's coming to him because she has empathy 
And because like, I think she has a, a burn scar as well. And she's just trying to create like this, this moment of connection. And he's like fighting it and fighting it. And then he kind of gives over to it. And there's a humility and a surrender in that that changes him and is is part of right. that larger trajectory. When you see him being kind and um, like you see the good in him, like throughout the series, you see the good in Zuko mm-hmm. flashing, but then you also see him choosing the bad. And what's interesting is all of the Iroh moments happen where he's choosing his uncle Iroh and choosing to be good and better happen when the avatar is not around oh yeah and when he's able to just like be himself without his mission in the way but whenever his sister who represents his family and his father who's a master manipulator shows up or whenever the avatar shows up he always chooses his father because in the end like the choice has to be made like time that you you watch it it like kind of said there's this arc where he's living towards the good or he's falling back into the bad and stuff and it's like almost like watching a heartbeat scan monitor. Like it just goes up and down <laughs> way up, regularly. Way down, way up, way um, down. <laughs> yeah. And, and you see every time he's faced with this mission, either by his family or by the avatar himself, he chooses what is wrong. And so when you watch the series and when you know it's coming, you, you can see that trend. It's like mm-hmm. whenever his mission is not around, he chooses good and he becomes better and better and better. But whenever anyone from his family or anything from about the Avatar pops up, he's the same antagonistic Zuko. Mm-hmm. And he is not going to choose that because he just can't let it go. Like he has to regain his honor. And so his arc is learning the true meaning of honor. And finally, when he confronts his father at one of the most important times yeah. in the series, the and he defies his father. Yes, he defies his father and is sentenced to death by his father and he shoots lightning and then he, the ability his uncle taught him how to redirect lightning he perfectly. The only time in the show when he uses it effectively, the other times he tries and then gets gets electrocuted. You know, he he redirects the lightning and shoots it right over his father's head. Doesn't he? He could have killed him too. Yeah, and that's that's an Iroh moment where he says, my father would kill his enemies. But you're my father and I owe you more than that. And that I mm-hmm. think to to the honor point, right? That's something that he's always searching for. And I think something that characterizes that is that for the whole first and second season, it's something that he believes is imputed to him by others. Right? That his father sort of like has his honor in a jar. And if he can just bring him the avatar, then his father will give him his honor back mm-hmm. rather than it being something as his uncle teaches him that sort of like comes from an interior integrity, right? Like the having a sort of like self-mastery over your actions and acting in a virtuous way. Um, mm-hmm. That is the thing that makes you honorable and that does no matter what everyone else may say about that or may think about it or whatever the cultural standards of honor may be, it, it comes from inside of you. Right. Yeah. Well, and so his father and his sister are both master manipulators and they, they do, they, they pull it on a string and, and they control and manipulate him. But he finally defines himself mm-hmm. as his uncle. His uncle never tried to manipulate him. Even when Zuko was making bad decisions, all I, Iroh would still stand fast and walk with him. Uh, even when he was at his worst and wasn't choosing good, Iroh walked with his, his nephew and loved him where he was at, never tried to force or push a decision out of him until unless he knew Zuko could do it. Like when Zuko was being angry and hurt and acting out of his, uh, his wounded pride, 
his uncle would be with him. But when Zuko knew the right decision and was struggling with it, his uncle would always challenge him on it. Mm. He challenges on it in such a gentle but, a, but genuine way of like, you know the right thing to do here. Do the right thing here. It's just yeah. that there's so many good things yeah. about this show. And that has so many of the good things. Um, like, in my opinion, Zuko is my favorite character and his arc is one of the best parts. But it's not even the best part of the whole show. Like, it's, right. it's incredible. It's and the way it's all right. woven together, but, right? Yeah, th- it's just a good show. So even if you're hearing all this and you're like, okay, now I know everything about Nerds. Zuko. It's like, <laughs> first off, we haven't told you all some of the best parts of Zuko, right? There's still some great parts in, yeah. in you know, surrounding all this that are worth it. Uh, but even then, you're watching the Avatar and his team, and we haven't even touched on that. So yeah. go ahead and watch the show if you haven't watched it. It's so good. Um, but we'll continue with this. But uh, yeah, I, just that encouragement. Please watch the show. Yeah. It is it, Do yourself a favor. Like I mentioned my wife. She finally watched it with me. And we're watching the, the final episode. And she was obsessed, by the way. Like <laughs> we get midway through the show, and every night she's like, we can get an episode or two in. And like she was just obsessed. You're like, I'm and tired. And by the end of it, <laughs> yeah, there were some times I was like, I don't, I'm going to fall asleep if we watch another episode. She's like, well, just, let's just try. And like, okay. So she was like into it. You guys have um, a beautiful She's doing that right now with another anime show, uh, My Hero Academia. She's just like, I'm going to watch another episode. I'm like, okay, cool. You're right. I, I mean, I've read the manga. Uh, and so I'm like up past where the show is. And I'm like, oh, this, oh, I remember this part. That's fun. And then she's just like, let's watch another episode. I'm like, okay, cool. So it's been really fun. But um, she did that with Avatar and she gets to the end and there's a final scene. Um, between Zuko and another character when they're finally just like talking about friendship. And um, <laughs> she turned to me with tears in her eyes and she says, thank you for making me watch this show. Oh my and I was gosh. like, you're welcome. <laughs> like, you guys, so do fulfilling. yourself a favor yeah. and watch this show and get past the first couple episodes. Even if you have to skip them, just do it because, you know, It'll fill itself it's in. great. Yeah. It's so good, guys. It's so good. So well worth it. It's the, like I the thing I love animation so much. If that's mm-hmm. not apparent from all of our conversations, I'm sorry, guys. I know, but that's half our episodes are about animated shows, right. which and, is fine. And there will be many I more. I like. Oh yeah, all of my my top favorite movies, animated movies, uh, and they're so I'm partially because I'm an animator, and so I, I can appreciate the craft on a whole other level. Um, but this nothing has ever come to replace this top position that i think avatar the last airbender holds in my book of like mm-hmm. and it's not even an animated thing it's just i think this is the best story i've seen told it's definitely a good one um especially for tv shows that do like a fantasy world that's drawing you in with great characters yes. and good story and like a wonderful world of magic like with zuko and with this uh idea of finding the good and choosing it over time it's just it's it's so utterly Christian yeah. in the sense that I want to get into this with, with you as well. yeah. Because um, even dear listeners, if you haven't watched Avatar, I hope you can relate with the fact that there have been times in my life, and I'm sure in many of our lives, where we have a good presented to us and we, like Zuko, choose the wrong for selfish reasons and intentions. Um, not me. We might not. No, I. Yeah, I have no idea. You're per- well, Ben, you're perfect. It's, yeah, I, I, that's why I, I spend time with you. That. I just want to be like you. I don't blame yeah. you. <laughs> I know you're. you're... But the, the, to sort of like try to tie this all up, I think one of the things that I find so beautiful about uh, is that moment that brings that catharsis to Zuko's relationship with Iroh is that it's precisely around that. It's around a relationship. 
And that bringing up this, this story of the prodigal son, again, puts it in the context of a family relationship, which is one of the most striking things about God's self-revelation is that he's not this sort of like divine overseer who is sort of like moderately interested in human affairs and really just wants us to follow a handful of rules. It's like that the view that I've found that I kind of learned uh, to have towards my faith and my religion was that the rules were basically like, that, that was it. That was mostly what consisted of the faith is that you follow the rules, you get the reward. And that is so backwards because the rules are like very important, but they're also just, they're, they're markers and, and they're, it's the wisdom of the generations of people who have come before saying, these things don't work. Like what you're searching for, you will not find here. And we know that because, and we, we use the word sin to define those things because it is that thing, like the word sin, meaning to miss the mark, like in <laughs> archery or spear throwing you've missed sorry like you were shooting at the target and there was something about your approach that that didn't get you there so that sin is that that striving that we have and that chasing after that happiness that we all desire and that wholeness and finding it elsewhere and or or not finding it where we're looking and like jesus christ come to reveal god in the flesh is saying come be my family like that's the type of relationship that I want with you. I don't want you to just follow my rules. I want you to be mine and I want to be yours fully and completely in the same way that a husband and wife are wed and become a new family, one person, one entity. The God of the universe wants that with every single person. He wants that with you. He wants that right? with me. He's already got it with right. me because I'm perfect, but the, he wants <laughs> yeah, it with you right. too. And, and that's like, that, that's just like, I, that's one of the things I guess that I want to point out as being so special about Zuko's arc is the way that it's it's painting that in in relationship. Yeah. But anyway, we should we should probably put a pin on this. I've no. We yeah. could keep going it's forever. Great. A great conversation, and, and again, the the beauty of redemption, the beauty of uh, be, becoming who we were made to be despite our faults and failures, is seen in such a beautiful way in the story. So again, said it multiple times, but. Just do yourself the thing. Watch the <laughs> Please, show. Please, we're begging you. <laughs> it's so good. Um, you can write thank you notes to us, you know, once you're done. Um, but it's it's just a great series. Yeah. You'll really enjoy it. And I can't wait to watch it with my kids and to continue to share in just great stories and great adventures um, that have true character and true virtue being driven at in there. So uh, until next time, Ben. Yes. This will be skip the bud lending episode anywho good night everyone <laughs> bye <laughs> we'll see you all later thank you for listening to echoes of eternity make sure to subscribe wherever you find your podcasts leave us a five-star rating if you like the show and be sure to tell us your thoughts and what you want ben and matthew to talk about in future episodes tune in next time to hear more eternal, eternal echoes, echoes.